I really think some of the best conversations happen when you have the opportunity to learn from each other. And one of the things I try to do in every conversation I share, whether on this platform or in my day-to-day, is to try to shut my brain and shut my mouth long enough to actually get the perspective from the other person. Because I truly believe that in a real educational and in a quest towards bettering yourself and learning from the other, because a conversation, in my opinion anyway, is an exchange of knowledge, an exchange of experience, an exchange of maturity, an exchange of time, an exchange of paths already taken. So I, in many ways, uh, feel enriched and enlightened through the exchange that I've had uh, with my next guest, uh, who was so generous of her time and insight, uh, Stephanie Delpe, who I connected with after being very moved and touched by a recent post that uh, she posted on her blog, which I will link to at the end of the episode and on the blog post for this episode. Uh, something very simple that in itself uh, touched me and moved me so much uh, for its transparency, for its innocence, uh, for the emotion and sincerity with which it was written definitely let me let me see a kind of a perspective uh, for me anyway because I've always considered myself kind of a feminist and very sensitive to uh, the plight of women and the, uh, the female condition as uh, as a whole but I'm never going to say that uh, I'll know everything so I always try to put myself in the learning uh, position in the seat to actually listen and hear what the other person has to say because for me it's extending a hand towards like oh I'd really like to know what you have to say and uh, this exchange with Stephanie was definitely something that left me um, a little bit wiser and a little bit more open-minded uh, towards uh, what we are still dealing with in 2017. You wouldn't think so, but uh, we actually do. And it was a very, very, um, I could say, um, transparent experience uh, for both her and I and uh, the time taken to actually uh, what came out was something it's it's I have to say it's definitely something that puts you in a position of humility uh, once you realize that something as simple as hair can have so much of an impact on someone's life uh, how we're perceived and how we perceive ourselves so I'm not going to make this intro too long guys uh, I really hope that you enjoy this conversation with my next guest Stephanie Delpe um, I certainly had a lot of fun doing it as always and uh, if anything uh, please leave a comment at the, uh, at the end of the episode as we always enjoy uh, hearing what you have to say but uh, lo and behold okay let's do this Stephanie Delpe here we go I have to tell you, Steph, I have to say that I am very humbled by all the inspiring and warm and ever so, you know, thoughtful content that you've been putting out, whether on Instagram or your blog, you're just like you're giving out such energy. Like seriously, just, just your about page. Oh, first of all, congrats on the, on the, on the nice little blog site, man. Just like, just me, SMD. About because I've been scouring your blog for the past couple of weeks, man. Just like you know, just since you launched you it, I'm just like, yeah, no, seriously, seriously. I have, I have, I have a blog that I'm working on right now. I'm trying to finish it. I've been so busy this week. I know it's light that and I it's just, it it's just so whimsical. It's just so you, like seriously, it's just so, so simple and at the same time so powerful and insightful, man. Just the oh. about page, like seriously. There's just like I'm, I know. We're related, but, but I, we're related, but at the same time, it's just like I'm discovering this person, <laughs> in my family. It's just like Hi. wow, 
But it's true. I'm not making this up. Seriously. Like, seriously, I am taking on the additional. I'm reading this directly off your blog, by the way. After 15 years, 15 years, we're going to get to that. 15 years in corporate America, taking on the additional challenge of following my passion and embracing my fears. I want I want I want to dive on that in a second for one second. What are you afraid of? I mean, I think like everybody else, it's like even if you're strong, even if you're tough, and usually that's the exterior, that's the the part that everybody sees. But I think for me, it's it could be a lot of different things. Sometimes I'm afraid to succeed um, because it's like you dream of all these big things, and then when they're actually happening, you're like, oh my gosh, can I really? handle this? Can I really deliver to the people who are expecting me to deliver? And so there's that piece. Then there's the fear of failing, right? Nobody wants to fail, but we all know that in order to succeed, you have to fail. And sometimes you fail several times. Um, And a lot of times they say that when it's getting the hardest, when it seems the most difficult, and when you're about to fail, that's when you should keep pushing forward, right? And so I think it just takes a lot of courage to kind of just push through that um, to get to the other side. So... Is it a form of insecurity? Um, I mean, I think sometimes it could be because I think sometimes we are our biggest critics. And so we don't always see in ourselves what other people see in us. And so I do think that there is a layer of insecurity. I think no matter how confident you are, no matter how good you are at what you do, um, there is a layer sometimes of self-doubt um, that you have to kind of deal with. I believe, because um, I've dealt with that. Uh, throughout my life because just like you you know you know going up the ladders and just knocking on doors and sticking my foot in and basically just like squeezing myself in like you know, going through like you know a couple of years through the corporate corporate entire you know pyramid of stuff you know you learn to put on facets you learn to put the tough face on but at the same time you know we are we're, I believe that we're all wearing masks at some point you put the right mask that you want your audience to see and which is ever appropriate for the for the current situation. At the same time, I believe that failure is a part of life. You have to learn to take the hit. You have to learn to basically fall on your face. And because, again, if you don't know that, you don't know how to rise above and understand that, okay, there is a process and it's part of the process. You know, uh, how would you say overall, what would be your advice to people who, again, like high performers, just like yourself, you know, who probably basically have a tough time dealing with the quote unquote word failure? Because, you know, for, for somebody, it's a learning experience or somebody it's like it's the end of the world. But you personally, how do you deal with failure first and foremost? Or what would be your words of wisdom on how to actually go beyond that? Um, I think it's going to sound a little bit cliche, but I would say for me, it's I embrace it, right? Because I think that in those moments when you're at your lowest, in those moments when um, something has really hit you hard, I think that that's where you learn the most, right? Whether it's from the actual experience, whether it's something that you learn about yourself, about what you can and can't handle, or a better way to approach things. And so for me, I try to embrace every failure as an opportunity to learn and grow because I feel as though if I went through that experience and I don't take the time to take something from it, then it's almost like I wasted that experience, right? And so I think we should always strive to gain as much as we can um, just out of anything that we go through, good or bad, right? Good or bad, makes sense, makes sense. How do you believe in mentors? I do. Um, I do. And it's interesting because for me, I have mentors for lots of different reasons. I have mentors who people would consider, you know, sort of senior leaders sit in the C-suite type of mentors. Uh And then I actually have mentors who are younger than me, who are more junior than me. Um, And so I think that 
different types of mentors are appropriate. Um, and then I think it's really important too in terms of like how you use your mentors. Um, I think a lot of people think they're mentors or they're friends or they're just people to kind of go and vent to when things are not going well uh -huh. or they're looking for their mentors to kind of fix things for them. Um, and I think for me, I've come to realize that mentors are just an invaluable resource. And so the way that you leverage them, the way that you interact with them, the way that you um, basically kind of use them, right, to help you kind of work through things. It's not about solving the thing for you, but work through different things that you run into in your life. Sometimes you have mentors that will help you with the personal issue that you're going through if you have that type of relationship with them, or it could be a business challenge. Um, so being able to kind of identify who the right mentor is to use when and where I think is really critical. Um, but I also think a mentorship is a two-way street, right? So for me, I have mentors, but I also mentee. I'm sorry, I also have mentees um, that I mentor. And so I learn a ton from my mentees all the time. And so... Like what? Um, different things, you know. So for one of my... I was actually uh, working with one of my mentees today, um, and he was teaching me a little oh, wow. bit about entrepreneurship. Okay, okay. And so we were talking a little bit about rich dad, poor dad. And so he was sharing That's with a classic. me. It is. And it's funny because we were talking about the fact that we both received a copy of that book at a very young age and we didn't really take the time to embrace it and really read it um, until a lot later in our lives. Um, but he was sharing with me some of his insights and I really appreciated that and just hearing the way that he interpreted some of the information, which might have been a little bit different for me, was, was very valuable. And so as a mentee, I say that you should always be always making sure that your mentors are also getting something out of that relationship, right? Because that's what builds and keeps any strong relationship growing. It's a two-way street. I believe so. Because um, uh, I've been... Um, somebody, somebody came to me in terms of... Uh, and for some reason, for the past couple of months, um, basically, uh, and the way they put it was what really hit me in a way that it really shifted my mindset. And um, it really made me conscious of how we spend our time. But I say that to everybody now in terms of how I value your time as in the person I'm interacting with, whether it's five minutes to an hour. I want to basically for this experience, this exchange, because a presence, a conversation or an exchange, even a handshake is an exchange of time. So mm -hmm. I want this time to be valuable, not in a way of just, okay, what am I getting out of it? Not more of a, you know, just a selfish mindset, but more of a, you know, altruistic mindset. I'm hoping that this time we spend together is beneficial to both you and I. And I'm hoping that you take either a pleasure or a benefit or we both came out the other end of this five minutes to an hour, you know, better in both our interactions, you know, don't waste somebody else's time. And I believe mentors at the same time. I love what, how you put it, you know, your mentor is not somebody you go vent with, but you actually go to get advice. And in other words, I like to put it, you know, because I've had mentors myself throughout my career. I believe your mentor is not your shrink. Mm -hmm. They're in another way, somebody who's been there, somebody whose insight and experience you value. Mm -hmm. And uh, or very that's somebody basically you have the opportunity if like you say cater to those relationships because they are valuable, and uh, you can actually go to them actually for some for two seconds like listen, this is something I'm going through, and I just want your take on it you know so this is what I'm thinking about and how would you go about it you know 
And this is something that's truly valuable because you can't get to the top on your own, or am I mistaken? Is that something cliche to say as well? Or how do you believe? Because again, it's a ladder, but you can't get there, you know, on your own. I absolutely agree with that. So I don't know. Actually, did you read my post today on Instagram? On the uh, the Mac uh, free free lipstick? No, wait a second. Other words. Oh, on Instagram. Sorry. I actually posted something, and I think if I remember correctly, the 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 quote that I posted was as women. um, It was in relation to women specifically, but Mm -hmm. we have to lift each other up, and we have to hold the door open um, on our way in. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes it's something that we forget because I do agree with you. Like in order for us to get to where we are, we had to have had people who helped us along the way, people who held the door open for us, people who saw a little bit more in us than we saw in ourselves. And I don't think that you can really have those achieve- achievements if you don't have people who are supporting you. And those people could be different depending on where you're at in your life, right? If you're an entrepreneur, it could be your client base. It could be the people who are really lifting you up um, as you're building your business. If you are in corporate America, it could be people who are on your senior leadership team who are giving you those opportunities, who are giving you the exposure that you will need in order to get to the next level. So I think it's critical um, to establish those relationships and to to leverage them in order for you to achieve the goals that you have. But I think it's also important to remember where you came from um, and help other people as you're kind of growing. Cool. How do you stay humble? You know, sometimes I have to give myself a reality check. (laughs) (laughs) And that's real talk, right? And, And I think for me, so one of the things that I'm realizing is really important is to be honest, right? And I think you touched on it a little bit earlier is, Sometimes we get so caught up, especially in the world that we live in today with social media, where everybody posts all this stuff that's all about perfection, right? It's about getting that perfect shot. It's about putting out that perfect quote. It's about everything is about showing a positive facade of life, which I think is important because people need to see that. People need things to attach themselves to. They need things to dream about, right? But I also think it's so important, at least from my perspective, to let people in a little bit, right? And let them see a little bit of the cracks and the kinks in the armor. Because I think for me, like, that's what drives people, knowing that even if you're out there doing all these things and you're able to achieve all these good things, like, you're not perfect. Like, we all have, we're not, we're not. We all have little things in us, right, that get in our way sometimes. And I think being open about it and sharing with it and letting people know that you're not the only one um, oh, oh, that is so. That is so true. That is so true. Because it's 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 amazing. Because I don't know what it is about our what's going on right now, but we're dealing with a society that needs to have the validation of its own existence through this medium called the. Okay, we'll 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 basically target the selfie, but everything has to be recorded in some way or fashion or another. For posterity okay hi i exist you know whether through a tweet or a facebook post or a selfie or an instagram post it just you just have to make sure that i was there you know i saw the most incredible thing again on instagram and it sounds cliche again it's totally it's totally stupid but i'm just trying to drive a point here i don't understand how you go to a show and you have a c it used to be lighters right but now it's cell phones because everybody's looking at the show through their cell phones but 
the art the artist is right there the show is going on right there you're already here keep this moment drop the phone for two seconds i know i'm really sounding really woo, -woo and everything but it i don't know it just bothers me <laughs> like, you know why? so you make a good point right because when you were talking a little bit before when you were talking about um interactions and exchanges and hoping that when you're having those interactions that both people come out you know better on the other end it kind of made me think about how distracting social media is in the world that we live in right and i know for me like i'm i'm not a technical person but i'm a techie so i always have some sort of mac gadget somewhere whether it's my <laughs> apple watch it's my my cell phone it's my macbook it's my ipad because i do have a lot of social consciousness i don't really believe in wasting a lot of paper and all those good things. And so for me, I feel like I always have to be really thoughtful and try to make sure that when I am having interactions with people or when I am having those experiences that I try to remain as present as I can. Um, and being that I do a lot of stuff on Instagram and on social media, so on and so forth, mm -hmm. there are gonna be moments when I just need to capture content. And so I do that, but then being able to capture the content and then just put it down for a little bit, right? And really enjoy that concert or that conversation, or even if I'm just out on a photo shoot, like sometimes I just wanna enjoy the environment that I'm in. Like it might be a beautiful um, spot and you wanna pause and just have time to appreciate just here. people who are there, who are helping you and where you're at and the fact that you're even able to do what you're doing, you know? Um, so that's important. You can't be absent in the, when you, you're trying to be in the moment. Something as simple as going out the door, walking my kid to the local library and coming back. You know, it's like my wife would ask me, like, did you take a photo? I was like, no, I didn't. It's okay. Because I, I don't need, you should be taking a photo. I'm like, no, I don't. No, I don't. Right now, because I've come out of a period where, because I'm a bona fide techie. I'm a bona fide techie. And right now I'm, a, I'm, a rec I'm recovering. Because most of the time right now, uh, if you're talking about my phone, I've basically brought it down to the basics in terms of communication. As, as, as powerful as it is, I've disabled communication. I've disabled notifications. Seriously, the only thing that works right now, okay, it'll ring if you call me or the alarm will wake me up in the morning. Anything else, I have to basically want to look at it. So I will want to look at Twitter. I will want to go on Instagram. So it's a conscious decision I choose to make mm -hmm. to actually interact via social. But I'm trying to just like go on a social media diet over the past couple of months just to see, okay, if I can basically restart everything. It's a conscious decision, okay, because a lot of people say, well, I texted you like three days ago. I was like, yeah, I know, probably. I'll check it out, maybe. I'm not trying to be rude, right. but I'm just trying to have that social consciousness where I'm like, you know what? Call me. If it were that important, you probably would have reached out differently. I do get contacts, you know, photo gigs and stuff. Like, I'll, I'll get back to those. Because anybody that really wants to find me knows how to find me. I'm on Facebook. I'm everywhere. So right. if you just try just a little bit, you'll find me. But I'm not constantly checking, like, oh, my God, what's this this week? What's this? No, the world will be fine. The yeah. world will be fine if you go off with your phone, like, you know, for a weekend. It'll be fine. The world will still be here. Seriously. But yeah. so seriously. I can't say about that end of the spectrum. If I forget my phone at home, it's like I'm traumatized. You're traumatized. You're traumatized. What's happening? I'm missing out on something. The world is going on without me. Um, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. <laughs> uh, this has happened. Right? This happened the last time earlier, earlier a couple of months uh, when I went to the Spartan race. And uh, for some reason, I lost my phone. I have no idea what happened. So I was without a phone for about a week. 
And that same weekend, the Spartan race was happening. But I went, no phone. I know I had uh, two or three friends that were going to be there. So I know I was not out of communication. So I know if I need to reach my wife for an emergency, I'd mm-hmm. be available. But I know that between going to and from home, okay, I'm off the grid. But at the same time, nothing really serious happened. I did not take selfies on the mountain and I did not, you know, live tweet the run. I just ran and I came home. Was it fun? Yeah. And that's how it was a couple of years ago. Did you have fun? Yes, I did. Okay. You went to a concert, your parents let you go out, you come back and you know, after the concert, was it fun? Yeah. Great. We're done. It's like, but you didn't tweet it. Now it's about, but you didn't tweet it out. You, you didn't put it on Instagram. It's like, how come I didn't see it? Crazy. But I think for different people at different points in your life, it's all about how you choose to manage it. And, and times are different, right? There's times when I'm on social media all the time. There are times when I check in, but I'm not like actively posting or actively sharing, right? Because I do think that you have to reserve moments of privacy for yourself. You don't have to share everything with the world, but there are things that you may want to share. Um, and then for me too, as someone who, has a corporate job who works very, very, very hard at her corporate job, but is also trying to do some things on the entrepreneurial front, I've really learned how to sort of separate and compartmentalize things out. And so when I'm at work, I'm focused. I'm working and I have deliverables and that's where my head is at. When I'm doing my personal side hustle stuff, Uh that's where my head is at and I'm focused. But when I'm at home now, I don't really check work email unless it's urgent, unless I have something going into production and I just need to make sure there's no issues or nothing's broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I leave the office, I leave the office. And it was a difficult journey for me to get to that place, right? Um, and then when I'm home at night, you know, if I'm home with my significant other, we may have to check email for an hour or two and then the phones are off and we're spending time together. It might be watching each other sleep. <laughs> it might be <laughs> trying to catch up on a show, but... Um, you have to learn how to kind of create that space for yourself and do what works for you. But for so many of us, um, social media is our livelihood. And so I think we just have to figure out how to control it and how to balance it out so it works for you. It's definitely not going away. It's definitely not going away because we're part of a really huge paradigm shift in terms of how we interact with each other as people, um, as a community, as a society. We're a lot more connected than we used to be. So you can, I can actually reach out to people in Iceland I can actually reach out to people in India a lot faster than I used to used to. And again, you know, communication with, you know, just again, your immediate family, you know, it used to be a point where I used to write letters to my sister when she was basically, you know, yeah, yeah. There was a point I used to actually pick up a piece of paper and send you letters, you know, either you or Melissa or Joanne when she was in Puerto Rico, I actually write letters, but now it's all about what's up. What's up? (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. I think the piece to also like, hone in on is not it hasn't just changed in terms of how we interact with each other from a societal perspective engage period has changed right like i can't remember the last time i did not order something from amazon if it was on amazon i literally order everything like from toilet paper to like everything everything. like i literally I order it. If it's I on do. Amazon, you order it. Like, why would you go through the hustle of basically having to go from store to store to store to store to store to store? That time is done. People still want to do that. Like, go ahead, but the convenience is there. Well, it's a time management thing too, right? So, for me, I have 
maybe 18 useful hours in a day. And it sounds like a lot, but it really isn't, right? Like by the time I wake up and I go to the gym and I come home, maybe I throw in a little laundry, then I'm getting dressed to go to work, then I'm in the office for probably eight to nine hours a day, then I'm coming home and then, you know, I'm working on my blog or I'm working on my social media content. I'm probably trying to maybe cook dinner and eat something maybe catch a favorite show or, you know, before I go to bed. And that's like my entire day. And so I have to be really thoughtful about how I use my hours and where do I want to allocate my time. And so is it more cost effective for me to hit a button on Amazon than it is for me to take the time to physically go to a store and pick up that same product or item? No, seriously. You know, you're saving, you're saving. The, the return on investment for that one click and that convenience of waiting a couple of days since it's delivered it's, it's right. amazing. It's bar none. It's bar right. none. The truth it's is in the fine. pudding. You know, a day. It's a day. Literally. It's a day. It's, a, it's crazy. It's crazy. I love Amazon to the point of right now, now that they bought Whole Foods, now, can, now imagine you're going to get all your shopping done, your produce directly <laughs> to your door. It's another, it's another existence, that. man. It's I already crazy. do that. Fresh it's, Direct. I, I literally everything I order online. The only thing I still shop for is clothes because I like immediate gratification. Oh, and sure. I'm a fashionista and I love to shop. I like to try <laughs> stuff on. I like to try stuff on. But I'll definitely like certain things I'm not even gonna bother. But seriously, I am totally on board with the entire like if you can save me time from having to go from store to store, holiday shopping, I save myself the trouble. Like seriously. Like listen, I will sit in front of a screen. I will pick out a few things and I'm done. A couple of hours, everything gets delivered. Yeah. I'm done. I never have to think about it again, like ever, like seriously. Wow. But listen, this other thing, because I made, I, I took notes from your, from, from all your description. On your, I'm telling you, I've been reading your blog a couple of times, man. Seriously, I'm reading a lot of stuff, but it's so touching. I'm not even making this up. It really touched me. The Curlfest post really touched me if you guys haven't seen it i'll definitely put it in the show notes once this uh, episode goes live but seriously i i read it and i wrote so first of all the feminist in me is like i can't believe hair is still something in 2017 but it really touched me just to see how earnest your 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 post was like you know just the emotion and having to consider and the way you put it basically going to your mentors and actually having to get, okay, a buy-in. It's like, is it okay if I cut my hair? Because if you go into the layers, like, okay, if you had just have to say it in words, is it okay if I cut my hair? But we'll get to the post. We'll get to the post. Not just, I'm just, not, I'm, I'm barely in the lead. But wait a second. Now, you talked about in your description, in your about page, my goal, and this is so touching because this is really powerful because it really hit me in the feels here. My goal is to encourage women to embrace their natural beauty, health, and develop their leadership skills and truly live their life. That's got to come from a personal place. And I'd like you to just share a little bit, if you would, on where that comes from. Yeah, so interestingly enough, that About Me page obviously had nothing to do with my hair or anything like that. But obviously. For me, so I love, like we just talked about social media. I'm a big YouTuber. I'm always on YouTube. I'm always checking out what mm -hmm. is relevant, what's current, what are people talking about. I'm always very interested in, in what other people have to say. And I see a lot of women who are posting, amazing posts, by the way, um, and there's a, a market for everything. But a lot of it is about um, 
weaves or extensions and it's about you know having a beat face and putting on this perfect face of makeup every day that takes like an hour and a half to put on and I'm just thinking like there's a time and place for that but I think it's so important for us as women to just embrace who we are just to be able to wake up in the morning and maybe put a little bit of eyeshadow and lipstick and lip gloss on if that's who you are and that's what you want to do. But to feel okay, to feel confident, to feel good about yourself um, without feeling pressured, right, to completely change and alter um, the way that you look before you feel like you can face the world. And, you know, you talked a little bit about masks earlier, and to uh -huh. me, I feel like that is a major form of a mask um, that a lot of women um, put on. Um, the other piece you talked about, the leadership piece, you know, for me, I've been on this journey of leadership pretty much my entire career. I've been fortunate enough to have always been in a management world and to have the ability and the, the, the trust for my leadership to pretty much impact other people's careers, right? To be able to coach them and develop them and, and to help them grow. And I think that it's a unique gift that I've been given. Um, and I'm very humbled by it. And so for me, I want to try to figure out, is there a way to share some of that gift that I've been given with other people who are interested? Um, and to share some of that information that I've learned and to see if it might be able to help somebody else. And even if it touches one person, um, I think that that's incredible, right? Thank and you so much for saying that. Thank you so much for saying that. Because I believe, um, not to cut you off, because I really, I really want to hear your point, but it's so... It's so important for us as a people, as a community, because I believe right now we're, we're, we're evolving into a period of community. It's all about camaraderie and reaching out. This connection, this connectivity that we mentioned a little bit earlier mm -hmm. really helps me, puts into, you know, into the limelight how much it's important to actually reach out and understand that you have a gift, you have value, you have knowledge, you have insight, you have experience that somebody after you doesn't have you know gonna go back to the example for the spartan race as stupid as it sounds it's just because i just ran one like you know last week so it's still fresh in my mind i've been doing this thing for the past three years the first year was murder i hated every second of it i came out i was in pain i was hurt i was i was really injured but right now three years later i can actually be on the trail and see somebody laying down and puking their guts out and tell them look at them in the face like dude you can do this it's okay. It's going to hurt. It's going to suck, but it's better than quitting. You know, yeah. take your time, but you'll get to the finish line. Whatever you do, don't quit. Have the insight to reach out and give that to them. That makes, if they, it can make a difference for one person, yeah. I believe that's a life fulfilled. I believe it's a life fulfilled. Yeah. I completely agree. I mean, that's how I look at it. And so, you know, there's so many things I want to be able to do with that information, but just to start by just finding an outlet to share it. And so I'm trying to do it a little bit through my blog and through um, the things that I post on my Instagram page at just me SMD. Um, I think it's important, right? And hopefully one day I'll write a book, but I'm trying to pace myself because <laughs> I have so many thoughts and ideas and so much that I want to be able to share. But the health piece um, I think is important because I think especially as black people, we have a lot of health issues that we deal with. We are more prone to certain types of health issues like diabetes, um, high blood pressure. And so I think it's so critical that we take care of ourselves. Um, so exercise and diet and trying to eat the right foods. I mean, 
I think there's certain hashtags that have taken off, like Black Women Do Work Out and some other ones, um, FitFam. And I think it's because traditionally we're not known for that, right? We're not known for being um, a race that really takes care of our bodies and our health. And I think that's starting to shift and it's starting to change. Um, for the better. So anything that I, for the better, for sure. Um, so anything that I can do to positively impact that, um, I definitely want to be able to do that. And then the last piece that you mentioned around living, like, man, that for me is probably, <laughs> let me get a little bit emotional, it's probably the biggest thing for me because it's such a big part of my personal journey um, in the sense that I feel as though my entire life, um, you know, when I was younger, was kind of laid out for me, right? Mm -hmm. I just kind of thought that there are all these things that I'm supposed to do. And so I feel like I spent my entire life either living in the past, right, because we mm -hmm. make mistakes or we do things that we really have a hard time sort of forgiving ourselves for and moving forward from. Or we're always looking towards the future, right? Because we have this roadmap and these plans and we're so focused. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. You have we, a roadmap. You know exactly where you're headed. It's like, okay, I need to make this happen and this and this timeline and this hasn't happened yet, so I need to adjust. And I totally get it. Right. So think about that. Like, you're always in the past because you're always beating yourself up for all the things that, you know, you, you did and you could have done better. And then you're always looking forward at all the things you're going to do. And, you know, you're not going on vacations because you don't have a boyfriend or a man or a significant other. You are not going to buy this handbag because you're going to save for X, Y, Z, even though you have hopefully already put aside for your retirement. Like, we're, we're always just kind of living in those two paradigms, I think. And we miss the present. We really miss the present. And we forget about the experiences that we have, we're having, we forget to invest in the now, right? Because tomorrow isn't promised to anyone. And so, while I believe in having a balance, um, I just think so many of us miss out on living for the now. Um, and so, if I can help people kind of focus on that a little bit and help them be present in their lives today, even though they're looking at those two pieces, um, if I can find a way to impact that, I think I will feel like I'm, I'm fulfilling my purpose. If I can put my own personal personal spin to it, because I totally it totally resonates what you're saying right now. Because 2016 for me, I know the memes ran around, but for me personally, 2016 was not a fun year. And where I can actually re um, respond to that in terms of what you mentioned about living in the now, because I've I've always been I'm um, if I can take an example when I was in high school, I was never a sprinter but I was an endurance runner. So I'm not going to go for the 100 meter dash, but I'll kill you in the 10,000 meters because I go for the long run. So one of the one of the big issues I've always had in terms of my personality is that I'll look really far down the road. But looking so far down the road, I'm missing out on stuff that's happening right now. So looking far down the road, I'm planning for kids for kids in college, I'm planning for retirement, I'm planning for a bunch of other things. So I'm really wearing myself out as a husband as a father, as an employee, I'm looking at a bunch of things like trying to just give, 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 give. And eventually I hit a burnout. Yeah. I seriously, seriously hit a burnout and it was not fun and it was not pretty. Productivity suffered, uh, emotional presence suffered, mental strength suffered, you know, um, emotional presence suffered. Like, you know, with my kids, you know, it was like a lot of stuff happened. I was not in a good place. And it's definitely something I want to talk about in a future podcast because I want to talk about 
um, um, how mental health affects especially men. Because I realized through my own experience how men don't talk. Mm -hmm. And that's something I want to talk about. But for another, that would be for another recording. But that's, that's definitely going to be one of my... Uh, uh, one of one of the profound discoveries that I, I had to come out the other end to understand how, as men, society puts you in a in in a bottle, or a roadmap, if you will, of expectations that mm -hmm. that has gone on since the beginning of time. And as a man, you're expected to perform a certain way, to do certain things, to react a certain way, to feel a certain way, and not to do certain things. And that form of you know, anthropological and societal pressure can take a toll on someone. And which is why, you know, in terms of the statistical data, mental health for men is still something that's really, really hard to basically pinpoint because men don't talk. And for me, it was a really big deal to actually just take a second to just take a step back. Like, you know what? Whoa. You know what? Let's take a chill pill right now. Like, chill. Let's go drop the kids. Let's come home and just like have a coffee and not worry. Oh, this email didn't go out. It's okay. We'll deal with it tomorrow. Oh, it's Friday. We'll deal with it on Monday. Learn to forgive yourself. You know, you can't just live in the past and think about all the stuff you didn't do. And certain things are too far off in the future. It's they're not here yet. Focus on the now. Forgive yourself. Understand that you need to take care of yourself now for your future self to be able to benefit from it. You know, this yeah. is why I really appreciate what you're talking about, you know, living in now. And it's really important. And I want to thank you for that, because it's something that, you know, we can all benefit from, from basically lending and helping hand of both insight and experience for people to understand that. Listen, people are here going through the exact same experience. Some people a little bit further off, some people a little bit behind, but we're all in this together. And that's that's a beautiful thing. That's why when you really put it in caps, truly live life, I'm like, wow. That is very well said. That is very well said. Really, man. Seriously. Oh, and I think you're right. And I think mental health is something that, you know, it touches, in particular, the black community um, very heavily. As people of color, we're taught that mental health is such a negative thing or has such a negative connotation that when we are dealing with issues, we don't really know what to do, and we, we're not willing to leverage the resources that are available to us, right, in order to take the steps that we need to take in order to move on or move past um, whatever the situation is. But you asked me um, earlier, and I'm not sure if I really answered the question, but mm -hmm. you asked me um, what keeps me humble, and it's my experiences. I think that life has taught me no matter how good you are, no matter how um, blessed you are, that you're going to have rough patches. You're going to have moments. And, you know, so it's interesting. So we're, we're, we're Haitian, obviously. Mm -hmm. right? And you grew up in Haiti. I grew up um, here in the States and spent a lot of time going back and forth in Haiti. And so we have family who um, live on all spectrums, right? Mm -hmm. had some people who have really progressed in their life and in their career. We have some people who, you know, we probably support a little bit more than they would even like because mm -hmm. of circumstances. And I think that when I think about those things, it reminds me every day that any one of us 
are really only one circumstance away from being in a different place in our lives. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I think that's what keeps me humble, right? Um, and just knowing that at any moment, any of it can kind of go away, whether it's due to something that I've done or something that is just happening around me. Um, nothing is really promised. And I think that that gives me a sense of humility. Um, but even just going through certain things, like having been divorced, you know, getting married and, and kind of going through all of that, um, I think all those experiences just kind of teaches me to be appreciative um, of all the, the blessings that I have in my life. And that, that really helps to keep me um, down to earth. That's, that's really good. See, the fact that, you know, we can always, there's always something to learn from hardships um, because the, um, a separation um, is not a laughing matter, whether boyfriend or girlfriend or being married and being divorced, or being separated whatsoever. Because I have close friends who've been who've been through that, and it's never it's never a laughing matter. So there's no, you can't say that okay, it's good, it's bad, or whatsoever. Again, abusive relationship. Everybody has their own circumstance, and you can't judge a person. What's easy for you might be super traumatic for somebody else. What's you know just a laughing matter to you might be something really really hard to get over for some people. So always put yourself into perspective. Perspective is everything. And have the humility to basically, you know, look over that and put yourself in the person's uh, in the person's position to understand how to best approach them in their time of need. Because again, it's all about reaching out and being there for each other. And you know, it's re it's really important because I'm really big on community. Because a lot of people um, like to vent, but okay, what are you gonna do about it? What have you learned? Okay, are you just venting just to, for the sake of venting? Because I'm here to listen. But at the same time, if you're not going to rise up, if you're still comp complaining about the same thing a year later, you need to shift your mindset or understand that, okay, once you're ready to deal with it, come, come find me. But listen, I can't just be here just to be, uh, just to be a shoulder cry on every single day. It's like, you know, let's put things in perspective because at the same time, you have to protect yourself, right? Because too yeah. much toxicity is a bad thing. I agree. And, and I think Fortunately for us, we live in a world and in a time where um, people are becoming a lot more socially conscious and socially aware and hopefully more socially responsible, right? And so for me personally, I believe that there should always be a, a socially responsible aspect to everything that you do, right? If you are building a business, if you're monetizing something, if you are um, in the corporate world, I think that you should always be looking at the impact that your work has from a social perspective. Uh -huh. um, and I think that's so critical in the world that we live in. You know, for example, I work in a world of um, data science, and so technology is huge. And I'm always looking at ways to improve processes and ways to make things easier and better for people. Optimization. Optimization. We look at robotics, we look at all different things, but as I'm doing that and I'm making things easier and cheaper and more cost effective and more streamlined, I also have to think about what is that going to mean to our staffing? What's that going to mean to um, and jobs? How do we redefine those roles and or how do we help the people whose roles we're eliminating, right? And so I just think it's really important to always be thinking about that. Um, or if you're a business and you're making money, how are you giving back to the community in which you are making money in? And so just always having that lens uh, to kind of look through and think through, 
I think is important. It's important. I've always been I've always been very uh, very big on a human centered type of administration. Uh, both in leadership, having been on both sides of the table, both as an employee and as an administrator in my corporate life, I've always tried to keep a human aspect. And you know what? Um, goes back to how we, uh, we were talking just before the recording about authenticity, about how you should keep um, your message authentic. Be you, however you are. Try to, again, you know, do what you have to do to climb that ladder. But at the same time, if you have to basically tramp, you know, just go against your own values, your own personal code of ethics, or your own personal values in terms of what will get you forward and if you have to basically you know just you know just you know eliminate who you are just to get a little bit further i believe that's dangerous but just all this to say that when the way i've managed people uh over the, my over my career i've always kept things very human so when the company corporate culture itself is very you know number minded okay every employee is in numbers like okay it's all about stats and kpis and everything i keep it very real what you do over the weekend how are your kids like okay how's your wife like okay you talk about your cars like what i i knew a detail about every single one of my employees and they appreciate that because you know they give me back what i give to them i give them presents i give them interest i give them you know a lot of you know a human-centered type of leadership but at the same time that takes a toll because you're sort of like put yourself in the position of being the buddy, you know? So you have to be, have to be very careful about that. But at the same time, I believe that since we're, we're social animals, we're human beings. So you can't negate the fact that it's very important to keep, you know, those relationships near and dear because at the end of the day, you know, the data gives you lots of insight, but at the same time, it's the humans that still need to make it happen. Yeah, so I'll definitely co-sign to the last part of what you said, um, that I think human capital is probably the most important part of anything that we do. Um, I think that humans have the ability to look at things differently, interpret things differently, and to make judgment calls that we are not at a place that we can teach machines to do. Uh -huh. um, and so I completely agree with that. And I'm going to touch on what you just said before that, because uh -huh. you're talking about, you know, really managing from a human perspective. And I will say, and I'll just be just open and candid, like that's an area that I personally really struggled with, um, kind of growing up through my management career. I, so high level, I was a poli sci major in college. And then right away I went on to get my MBA and then, right after my MBA, I kind of got thrown into a management job. And so I approached management from a very technical, numbers-oriented, results-oriented um, lens. And that didn't go very well, right? <laughs> so I, <laughs> it really doesn't. People don't like it when you're like 20-something and you come in and optimize <laughs> and fix everything and tell someone who's been doing a job for 30 years that, Oh, here's how you do it better. Yeah. And so those were growing pains for me. And it really taught me a lot about myself. Um, I think that's why I'm so passionate about what I do today, because I do understand kind of firsthand, right? Like what that means, um, the human experience of it. I remember, you know, having a team of 34 people and I had to outsource um, almost 65% of the work that they were doing. And I had to keep staff on board to train the people that I was outsourcing to. And they knew it. Um, and it's a challenge, you know, trying to keep them motivated and to, 
you know, help them work through the issues that they're working through, right? Because there's the coaching element and the management element of it. And you do get to know people over time, right? You get to know about their kids and, you know, their family life. You've met their wives and their husbands. And so it's difficult, but you still have to be able to kind of separate the personal from the business. You have to. While taking you have to. The into consideration because like these are real lives that you're dealing with and so because at the end of the day this job still has to get done those reports those deliverables still have to meet vendors expectations there are quarterly reports you just have to you just have to keep the corporate i totally get it totally and get at it the, end of the day you're running a business right you're like whether it's a personal business or it's a corporation you're running a business and in business you are there to make money and so sometimes you take it all and you make a decision where it might not be the 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 best financially, but it's just the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. But generally, keep your doors open, right? It's crazy. But wait a second. I'm going to switch it up just a little bit because I don't want us yeah. to just overlook this. But Curl Fest, because it's just like, because I saw this over Facebook and then I read it and then I read it again and then I read it again. And as I was saying on top of the program, it's just like, okay. We're still in a period where for a woman in a place of business, in corporate America, a woman of color, the decision to go natural or, you know, <coughs> is, a, is a questionable act, if I may put it simply. So how did you live that? How did that happen? What was your experience? I'm not even going to try to sugarcoat it. How in the world is this still going on? So, I mean, I have to believe that this is something that is ingrained in us from a historical perspective, right? And so, I mean, if you go back to, and we're Haitian, so, you know, our family didn't necessarily grow up in the States, but if you go back to, like, slave days, right, uh -huh. you know, women didn't really have a means to really take care of their hair and so they ended up wrapping it up a lot you never really saw what it looked like sure. so without having the means to care for it i can imagine that maybe it didn't look as kept up as it could have or compared to a white person's hair maybe it didn't look the same but also given the status that we had as slaves um you know there's always different means to kind of keep us down and so hair is probably just another one of those um characteristics that were kind of used against us and so i think over time we just learned to dislike that characteristic about ourselves mm -hmm. um, i don't think it was easy to care for it and so you know when madam cj walker came up with the perm um <laughs> we all saw it as a way to be able to sort of fit in a little bit more into a society that we just didn't naturally kind of feel like we fit into. Um, you know, for me, my personal experience, I could just remember being eight years old and literally breaking every comb in the house. Like I have a fro, I, I have a fro and it's super tight and it looks super short. But um, if anybody ever saw it straight, my hair is probably down to my bra strap. Wow. And it's a lot of hair. It's a, a lot, lot of hair. hair. So when you are having to deal with untangling and teasing and, you know, you've got an eight-year-old child crying every week when you're trying to braid her hair, as a mother, I can imagine if you find That's this every Haitian household. That's every Haitian household. Because you're basically torturing the kid to make them look pretty. 
literally, like my mom used to liter- to to put a, a hot comb on the stove to straighten my hair. You know, I remember those. I remember those. Remember having burnt eyebrows and. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. You literally have to put an actual piece of metal through your kid's hair and just pray that you didn't burn burn their eyes out. Like crazy. think about how crazy that is, right? But that's what we had to do in order to find a way to just to deal with it, just to find just to a way to make it. it manageable. Um, so I think that's the root of it. So I think trying to manage the hair in combination with just having been taught that it was bad to begin with and it made us not fit into the rest of society, I think all of that is a lot of sort of emotional baggage um, that I think we've carried with us over the years. Wow. Wow. Because you said it so, so plainly and so directly that, you know, it begs to be said, how can it be wrong to wear your hair the way it literally grows out of your scalp? This is my hair. This is my hair. But yes, this hairdo can be perceived a certain way when it's perceived a certain way, because perception is everything, because we're still a society of looks and appearances. So what we wear, what we say, how we say it, how we carry ourselves, you know, you put it however you want confidence, everything, how you, how you assert yourself, but still certain people have certain prejudices over certain types of circumstances and hair just fits into that. It's amazing. Whether it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so sad. It is it's so sad. It's and sad. Back to history again, when you look at the seventies, right? In the days of the black Panthers, like the fro, was sort of like a symbol of resistance. It was so a declaration. Now you're it was a declaration. It really was. But so now you're adding another layer, right, of something that is perceived as militant and or negative, right? And so I think just over the years, like everything associated with our hair, I would say up until probably the last like maybe 10 to 8 years or so has really been just negative. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even people who are not of African descent who have curly hair to go into the office because they just don't think want. that professional look. They don't want that stigma. They don't want that stigma. Um, you know, I had to deal with that as well uh, from Montreal. And I have to admit it to myself, again, in hindsight, and I had to admit that to myself when I realized that, okay, person of color, because Quebec, you know, it's mostly, you know, French Canadian, but, uh, you know, you go into the corporate world because I really started from the way bottom, you know, to my education, my culture, my knowledge, and just basically hustling. I rose up pretty far into the company, but at the same time, you always have that in the back of your mind, right? You look around and you see the other junior managers and you're like, huh, I'm the only person of color here. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so you have to have the right speech. You have to write to have the right conversation. You have to have the right attire. And you also um, have the right, you know, appearance. And, you know, and again, your post, I was really making sure that, okay, I read this well, because you, you did mention it's not just for women, but for men as well. How you know how you carry your hair, how you dress, how you present yourself. Sometimes it's all about cliche. Just make sure that you're clean because this is how we were raised, right, in Haiti. Always never be caught with dirty underwear, you know? Just like <laughs> always be, you know, you're going to you're gonna go to the doctors. You're going to go to the principal's office. Always be sure you're fresh. But it's right. the same. you carry that into the corporate world, into the job life, right? But at the same time, you realize there's, there's, there's a lot of societal stigma that accompanies that. 
okay? Because you're a person of color, because you're Haitian. You have that other, that extra hurdle to carry. And it's not being controversial or, you know, just uh, like kind of an activist or anything. It's all about being real. And the fact that, yes, these are things you have to keep in mind because these are the hurdles that have been set before you. It's it's sad, but it's still the case. It's nice that, you know, you have the the decency and the forethought to you know share these experiences and to let people know that this is very real. But this is stuff that you can overcome as long as you just keep your wits about you and just be, you know, just be you. Just be because this is what I get from your post. It's a lot of, again, experience acknowledging your insecurities, acknowledging that these are things that have happened way before you, but it's also your choice to assume the fact that, hey, I am me, I love myself, and I am beautiful as is. Yeah, and and I will say that it, it was a journey, right? Because I do think, and, and let's just be real for a second, right? In order to survive in corporate America, there is a certain level of assimilation that you have to do. And yes, while I think it's critical and important to bring you as much of your authentic self into the workplace as you can, there's still certain cultural norms that you're going to have to find a way to kind of just assimilate to because you just have to. And I think that that applies whether you are of any race, right? I think mm-hmm. if, if, if you work for a very formal company, there's a certain dress code you have to adhere to, um, right? So I think those types of things you just kind of have to do. Um, but I think for, for us as black people in particular, I think that corporate America has a way of almost making us feel as though we've been allowed into this private club, right? A club that is very restrictive, that not everybody can kind of get into. And if you're lucky enough to kind of get in, you're constantly fighting to maintain that position. Right. Mm-hmm. And so think about that whole crabs in the barrel mentality and you think about oh, yeah. the fact that we don't always pull each other up is because we've kind of been made to feel like if we let you in and we give you this spot, you know, you don't want to let anybody else in to steal it because there's only room for like a couple of us here, if even. Right. Because to your point, most of the time when I look around the table, I'm the only person that looks like me sitting around that table. Right. Um and so I think all of those things make it very difficult for us. And so when we're finally let into that club, when we finally have those doors open up to us, like I do think that there's kind of a mental thing that goes on and an emotional thing where we're really trying to figure out, oh, good, you're getting all this money potentially, like you are finally achieving um, the levels in your career that you really wanted to achieve. And so you want to do everything you can to, to stay in that place. And I think sometimes a lot of that is losing yourself and you have to kind of almost wake up internal battle with yourself, right. To push beyond that and kind of figure out which parts of you are really non-negotiable, you know, which parts of you belong to you and you're not willing to give those up for corporate America or for anybody. Um, You can accept me as is. Or, yeah. you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay. We can keep dancing this dance, but I have to be me. And I understand that, you know, there's a certain level to which I won't have access because this is not something you're comfortable with. Yeah. And it's a very personal journey. I don't think that it's a one size fits all for anyone. I think it's no. really about, you know, what works for you and what's comfortable for you. 
Um, and I shared maybe just a teeny part of my journey in that in that article, but uh-huh. you know, it took me a long time to get there. You know, when my cousin first cut her hair, I thought she was absolutely crazy, and I was like, "Why in the world would you want to do that?" Why and then my and I was like, I don't understand. Like, you guys are crazy. My sister is a physician. She's a surgical, um, she's a surgeon, um, and she focuses on urology. And I, I was like, how are you going to go to the hospital looking like that? This was me speaking this to her. This is you. This is your own words. Um, these were my words. And I really felt that way in that moment um, because I couldn't fathom how she could be professional with her hair natural. Um and it took a lot of convincing. It took years of going back and forth, transitioning, putting a relaxer back in, transitioning again, and then finally just taking the leap to just chop it all off. Um, and it was scary. It was hard. Um, but, man, it was so liberating. Um, just the pressure that was relieved when I did that big chop <sighs> Like, it's almost emotional. Like, I can't even describe, like, what that meant for me. But to be able to walk out into the rain and not worry about ruining my hair, to have the freedom to not plan my exercise schedule around, you know, getting my hair blown out, you know? I can't sweat because my hair is going to (laughs) just... Yeah, like, it's just crazy. My entire life, I realized revolved around my hair and maintaining it and keeping it presentable um, so that I can engage with society. And, and, and you know, for me, um, it just wasn't a life that I wanted to live anymore. But have you, with within your journey and within your personal uh, acknowledgement of your circumstances and what it took you to get there, can we acknowledge that, okay, first of all, there was society, there was our upbringing because our mothers didn't know any better. And then there's the social pressure of, you know, corporate America and how much of that is self-inflicted. Cause you could have taken this decision earlier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think some of it is self-inflicted, but I, I also remember breaking combs when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I didn't want to break any more of my own combs, you know, as an adult kind of growing up and I didn't know. And I think part of it is, not having the education, not knowing how to deal with your hair, right? And so that's why I really love and embrace what's happening on YouTube. You know, I remember like sites like Curly Nikki um, just exposing me to the tools for how I could actually go on this journey Mm -hmm. and be successful, you know? And I think sometimes that's a big part of it. Again, going back to just knowing that you're not the only one who's going through it and being able to make use of other people's experiences to kind of help guide you on your path. As ridiculous as it sounds, um, I believe we're all our very own snowflakes, but at the same time, it's impossible that you would be the first one ever to have gone through this situation. However it is, I'm sorry, you're not that special. To put it more bluntly, you are not that special. I believe in the quest in the quest for awesomeness. We all have to develop. That's why I call this podcast "Awaken the Awesome." I believe we all have our own internal, you know, little little spark of awesomeness to actually share with the world. But at the same time, because we've been here as a species for so long, chances are somebody's been there before you. So if you know where to look, you know as actually who to actually extend a hand to. Like, hey, can you help me out? 
because YouTube, as you say, YouTube has become the dictionary for everything. You know, my wife and I learned how to basically dismantle our toilet to actually fix a clog off of YouTube. <laughs> no, seriously, save me 600 bucks for a plumber, you know, because uh, for some reason my kids understood that, you know, it was nice to flush a couple of things down the <laughs> toilet. But that's another story. <laughs> that's why, you know, what you're doing, what I'm doing, what other people are doing, just the sharing of information is is just so important. And like I said, you know, earlier on, even if it only touches one, one person, person. Um, I think it just makes all the difference because one person. though we know we're not alone, like in theory, I think sometimes we still feel like we are. Um, and even though we know we're not the only ones to have ever experienced whatever it is, whether it's heartbreak or loss or hair, um, it's <laughs> like it sometimes, right? When you're in that moment, when you're just down in the trenches, it just feels like you're all by yourself. It feels like you're the first person going through this thing and you have no idea what to do. And so when someone reaches out a hand, even if it's just a virtual hand to kind of help walk you through that, um, it, it, it means something. It means something because it, uh, everybody likes to know that they're not alone because there are moments where you're going to feel like you're in the darkness and uh, you're still, you're looking at the wall and you're like, I can't possibly get out of this. And this is, I don't know what else to do. And just reach out, reach out because all you need to do is to be heard. And again, if you can only impact one person, it makes a world of a difference because that's one life that you've, you've impacted in a possible way. And that's, in, that's amazing. Just one life. Stop looking at just the likes and, you know, tweets and retweets and everything. Just take a second to understand that you've impacted one person. And that is a life well lived. Seriously. Yeah. I value your time. We're coming up at the end of the hour. But, uh, you know, I'm, there's so much we could keep talking about. But, hey, you know, sometimes I have... Sometimes I got to pull the plug on these recordings. I'm so sorry, but definitely I'll be happy to have you back, you know, so we can talk a little bit more about so many other things. Cause again, you're really an inspiration with everything you're doing through your Instagram feed and your blog, which I hope they read more of, but definitely I'll definitely link to uh, your curl fest post uh, in the show notes when this episode goes live again. But um, again, I just want to just for parting words, as I always like to have my guests, you know, just share their own personal insights, just what, you know, just going forward, you know, how can we, you know, attack life, you know, just looking forward with more eyes open, what would be your words of wisdom as a parting? What would you, or would you give the listeners just like, you know, just a little two tidbits of your wonderful insight? I would say just don't be afraid to go out and take action, right? Because I think a lot of times we have these thoughts, we have these ideas, we have things we want to do, we have people we want to reach out to, and we just, don't do it, you know, for whatever the reason, for life gets in the way or we're scared to do it or we're not ready. We just don't do it. And, you know, five years down the line, you're having the same conversation with yourself. You're having the same thoughts. So I would just say, if you have an idea, if there's something that you want to do, if there's someone that you want to talk to, um, just do it. And don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to fall flat on your face because we've all done it and we will all do it again. Um, and learn, learn from everything that you decide to take on in life and take those lessons and apply them to the next big thing that you do. Oh man, that's so cool. That's so cool. Well, I'm taking notes as you're talking right now. It's not even funny, but like, wow, wow, seriously. 
But definitely, if people want to find you on the interwebs, guys, just go to JustMeSMD, as in SMD.com. It's the Stephanie's blog where you can find all the wonderful little, you know, little details and wonderful, uh, you know, aspects of her journey. It's definitely, a, 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 it's definitely something, an adventure worth following. And if you want to find her on Instagram, uh, she's uh, JustMe underscore SMD Fitness. You can find uh, Stephanie just kicking in and getting in and just working out and showing you her own examples of uh, of uh, fitness and inspiration definitely like those videos just make you just want to get up and just like okay i need to go to the gym right now (laughs) but i'll definitely link those in the show notes no worries about that but uh, steph i want to thank you so much for your time and it's been a wonderful conversation i can't thank you enough because uh, I definitely uh, want people to understand that uh, you know you have a wonderful message to share, and it's not it's not me just uh, just making words up. I really was touched by uh, by your post and uh, your blog is definitely something that's a message worth uh, getting out there in any which way. So I want to thank you for everything you're doing, uh, not just for women but people being impacted by your message because it's a message worth sharing. And it's all about community and connecting and trying to push each other, you know, a little bit forward because again, we're trying to impact one life. Let's find that one additional life we can impact just for the better. Because hey, you know, maybe one or a hundred, but uh, there are definitely, uh, there's definitely people, you know, that can actually benefit uh, from your message. I just want to say a really, really, really heartfelt and sincere thank you for your time. No, and thank you for having me. It, it's been a pleasure um, being here. And to all the listeners out there, thank you for taking the time to listen. Um, you know, feel free to reach out if you have any thoughts or questions or even feedback. I'm always open to learning and growing and improving. So thank you. It's been more than fun, but definitely do enjoy your evening and uh, we'll talk soon. Until next time. <laughs>